Familiar story. A familiar story that we know the outcome to. Often we hear sports stories or teams that are known as David and other teams known as the Goliath. I like a basketball team in college, and I don't watch it enough to even really care, but I am a humongous, huge Coach Krzyzewski fan for Duke. I, I admire the man, okay, from what, what he's done in the, on the sports level. But I believe last year they were a number two seed in March Madness and got knocked out by a number 15 seed. And it was a David-Goliath battle. They weren't supposed to have a problem. We know the story about David and Goliath, about this, this shepherd boy that comes 14, 15 years of age. And he comes to where the Israelite army is. If you have your Bible this morning, we're going to be in 1 Samuel. Um, Joshua Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. If you get to 2 Samuel, rewind. Okay? If you have trouble finding it, look in the table of contents. In the Old Testament, left part of your Bible. But 1 Samuel, we're going to be in the 17th chapter. But before we get there, I want to ask you some questions. And to give you a little bit more background. There's a guy on YouTube. And in your message map, your worship handout, I'm sorry, this morning, if you've got a purple piece of paper, or I want to touch base with you on a couple things. If you open it up all the way, Straight, if it was folded like this, open all the way up straight into the middle. You will see the ten church planning thoughts. One through seven. Next week we'll put number eight in there. Yes, this is a teaser. We are going to study, this is the, one of the first things we're going to do in the church planning meetings that I'm going to start teaching on the third and fourth weekends of the month starting this month in, in September. 8.30 to 11.30 on Saturday morning. What are we going to do? We're going to find out why Connections Missional, why we're going to plant a missional church. You can read in there. If that interests you, please come and see me after church. Okay? I'm going to teach this. Number one, I mentioned, if you're looking at that, number one, the goal of church planning is to reach people. To reach people. It's a big deal. I'm glad somebody reached me. You ever think about that? But if you have your message map and you have, you can open it up to the front page like this. It has some sermon notes. You can take it. And I know some of you, some of you said, oh man. <laughs> and he's going to talk about David and Goliath. I already know this story. Okay, good. I'm glad. David beats Goliath. Okay, it probably was in the, the headlines of Jerusalem paper. Back in the day. But Noah Gunderson is a name that you're probably not familiar with. It's not a household name. He's not like, a, he, is an, he is a musician, but he is not like Pearl Jam. He is not like if you were in here earlier. I tell you what, I, I really, I'm, I'm really thankful for Josh and his music selection. Because this morning, if you were in here early enough, see, this is, this is why we try to get people to come in. So you can listen to good music. We played Van Halen right now. Everybody's like, ah. See, if you get here early enough, you can hear the good stuff. If you, and if you hear, before we started worship, you saw, you saw a piece of canvas and a piece of paper that was spray painted on. And I can give you that YouTube link if you want to come. You can come with me after church. I can give you that YouTube link. But this, this gentleman spray paints layers of paint, then takes a piece of newspaper and crinkles it and makes this huge galaxy spiral on, on the video. I can't draw stick people straight. So when, when I see something like this, and there are, there are videos on there that are like speed painting. There's, there's a gentleman on YouTube that does one of these paintings in 58 seconds. It's incredible. Three-dimensional pyramids, a sun, a galaxy, awesome. If you are... Somehow I'm like, man, I, I, have, I know how to do that. That makes sense to me. I can draw, I can paint, I can spray paint, I can, I can do whatever. 
At Connection, we seek to reach people. That's on the first, that's on the first one of our church planning things. We seek to reach people. I want to engage people that are artistic. I'm not. That's where you come in. Come and talk to me. If you play an instrument, come and talk to me. If you sing, come and talk to me. Man, sounds like Matt's just starting off the sermon when he's ready to get people up here and, and help take over. No. It's a get to, not a have to. We get to serve. Before we get into this story that's very familiar to some of us, I want to warn you. You're going to want to turn off your switch again. Oh, I know the story. Click. Uh, holler at me when it's 11, 1130. We're out of here. Please don't miss what God has for us today. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Before I get into the message, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for what it's for what it means, the truth behind it. God, I thank you for the people that are here. I pray, God, that we, that we see this story in a completely different light today. Oh, sure, we've heard this story. God, maybe even the points that I'm going to pick up. But God, help us through your spirit. Help us get this. Let it sink in. In your name we pray. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Hang on just a second. I mentioned Noah Gunderson. Yeah, Noah Gunderson. Noah Gunderson is a musician, and he's on YouTube. He plays an acoustic guitar. Now, when we're in the primary center, this is actually a really funny story. I can tell you the people's names. I don't want to. I don't want to embarrass them, but they still come to connection, and I'm not telling you if it's in the early service or in the afternoon service, so you can't guess. But we're in the primary center. Okay, those of you that were with us, you're going to get this. Those of you that weren't with us, you're like, okay. The bathrooms were solid cinder block concrete. And before worship, I would go in there, not while I was using the bathroom, but I would go into the bathroom and I would tune my guitar. And one day I'm like, man, it sounds awesome in here. The acoustics. If you sing, if you play, you understand what I'm talking about. And I was playing, I'm like, man. And I was running over a song that we were going to do for worship. And it's, you know, it's early. There's not a whole lot of people that aren't setting up the stage here yet. But there was one couple that was just really early that day. And I'm just singing, I'm just, woohoo, I'm singing, worshiping in the bathroom. And I come walking, I'll never forget their face. They're like, wow. They didn't say a word. I come walking out of the bathroom like, oh boy. (laughs) I said, the, never mind, never mind. But Noah Gunderson, Noah Gunderson is a guy that records a song, and the name of the song is David. And he records the song. I don't know that it's a bathroom, but it's a solid concrete room. It has really cool reverb and echo, and if you sing, you understand what it's like to sing in a place like that. It's just awesome. But he wrote a song named David. That's the title. In that song, I want you to hear the lyrics that he wrote. It says, I want to hunt like David. It's the title of the message today. I want to hunt like David. Now, he goes on and says this. I want to kill me a giant man. And that's, he was relating back to the David in the Bible. Now, watch what he does with himself in these lyrics. He says, I want to hunt like David. I want to kill me a giant man. Talking about the David of the Bible. Now, watch how he moves to himself. He says, I want to slay my demons because I've got lots of them. Noah Gunderson takes a biblical reference, translates it to himself about not only a huge person giant, but the giant issues, the giant stuff in his life. The story of David and Goliath is very familiar. We know the characters. (laughs) David and Goliath. There's also two armies involved. The Philistine army, which which was Samson, or Samson, not Samson, wrong story. I'm in the Old Testament, though. Goliath was on the Philistine army and the Israelite army. And they were up on each side of a, of a huge valley. And for 40 days, I want you to think about this. Today's the 7th of September. We'll say to the 17th of October, you have to stand right here. Somebody walks in that door and they said that, the, that Goliath talked bad about God. Okay, in the NBA or the Major League Bay or any professional sport, 
It's not called talking bad. It's called trash talking. Okay? So you have to stand here for 40 days and let a guy come in and badmouth, trash talk your God. And for 40 days, this Israelite army stood here and did absolutely nothing about it. Why? Because they were scared. But today I want to take some of, those, some of those Israelite army people and I want to replace them with all of us. Now we're staring at some big stuff. And there's fear. And not only does this guy that comes out every day trash talk, but physically, the people that study just indefinitely the, the, the articles of Scripture and, and, and they, they go back in genetics and they, and, they, and they read about this town called Gath. That's where, that's where Goliath is from. See, that's what makes sense. The Bible makes sense because we can go back to a guy in the Old Testament's hometown. Hey, this is true. If it wasn't true, somebody would have... Red flag. Okay, but compared on where, wherever you see this research, Goliath was probably about nine feet six inches tall. I'm six one. Nine foot six is standing under a basketball goal with your head probably almost touching the bottom of the backboard. A physical, genetic giant of a person. People believe that he probably weighed close to 400 pounds, if not more than that. As I was studying this, I said, man, it would be, I'd put myself in, in David's shoes. Man, I'm going to fight a nine foot six guy. How am I going to do it? I'm going to run the other way as fast as I can. <laughs> but sometimes the stuff that I have to go through in this life looks bigger than having to box or having to fight Goliath. Sometimes my fear grabs a hold of me so tightly it feels like I can't breathe. We've been there? But for 40 days, he would come out and trash talk. Somebody over here has got to get a little tired of that, wouldn't you think? Man, here he comes again. Yep, 4 o'clock, here he comes. We've got to listen to this for an hour. Or somebody would fight him. Some of us have not been ta- challenged or taunted for 40 days. Some of us have been standing in this line for 10 years. And those issues and those giants, we can't knock over. Oh, we can, but we choose not to. Because we sing a song that says, higher than the mountains that I face. God is higher. God is bigger. Listen, if God chooses, he can go around the mountain. He can go, he can take me up over the mountain. He can take me underneath the mountain. Or my God, like in this story, can go right through. If you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 17 Verse 45. I'm skipping ahead in the story, okay? okay we're, David comes, David comes and he brings food to his brothers. They're soldiers. He's, they're much older than him. They're, they're allowed to fight. David was too young. He was the shepherd. Oh, you stay at home. You're the baby. Stay at home. Stay at home. It says this, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. When I was studying this this week, these two lines, these two lines stuck out to me. It said, when I come, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The stuff in my life, when I have to stare that giant in the face and I said, man, you know what? You're coming at me with despair and fear and hopelessness. It's okay. Because I got God, and that's who I'm going to fight with today. He goes, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. David, David steps out. I can't even imagine. Can you imagine his brothers? Oh, we're getting ready to see our brother die. Yeah, Goliath's going to have him as an hors d'oeuvre. 14-year-old, nine foot six, Huge giant. All of a sudden, out of the back, I'll fight him. Can you imagine that? What if that was your brother? Hold it, dude. I've been standing here for 40 days. I'm a whole lot bigger than you. I'm a whole lot stronger than you. You're not going to go out there and fight this guy. 
He was given armor. He said, nope, too big. I'll move much quicker without it. Why hadn't anybody faced this giant? Why hadn't someone challenged this person that put down the God of Israel? I think the soldiers and us have a lot in common. I don't think any of us woke up this morning in order to get to church. We had to defeat a nine foot six giant to come here. But some of us got up this morning and those giants were staring at us in the face. Giants that we've stared at for a long time. Hopelessness. Helplessness. Loneliness. Despair. Regret. Guilt. They're there. They're there. Some of us walk around every day and are taunted by these issues. Some of us have been standing in this line for not 40 days, maybe for 40 years. God, I know that you can help me. I'm just going to stay right here. We have the head knowledge, but we can't make our feet move. Rather than deal with these issues, we ignore them. They go away. If you ignore guilt long enough, it'll go away. I can tell you from personal experience, it doesn't go anywhere. David in this scripture is facing a giant, but what he's, what he's doing is he's doing what he's supposed to do. Nowhere in here does David state, I've been working out, Goliath, you're in trouble. Nowhere in here does he said, I've got the cheat code to this game and I'm going to win. Nowhere in here does he say, well, you're going to come at me and I'm going to trip you. Okay. He says the right thing. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. I know where my hope is found. His brothers and the entire army of Israel had forgotten or had chosen not to use this ally we call God. Now think about that. Can you imagine when those words came out of David's mouth? He steps up. You're going to get killed, dude. You don't even have a sword, dude. You don't have a sword, David. This guy is going to eat you a lot. He's going to bite your head off. Let alone his sword. He's just going to eat you. And David walks out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what their hearts felt? This is, this is the Israelite army. God's chosen people. And David walks out. A 14-year-old young man walks through them and says, I don't come with a sword. I have God. Do you imagine the heart check that all these guys got? We've been standing here for 40 days and nobody has the guts to do that. Hmm. Instead, they turn to things that we often do in life when it seems too hard. If you have your worship handout, the first blank I want you to fill in is this. The Goliath of doubt is out to defeat you. Much like the soldiers. Much like the soldiers. The Goliath of doubt is out to defeat you. Why didn't they go? Why didn't they go? Man, this is like a this is like a guy's movie. Like this just has the making of just like this awesome, cool, rugged Rambo movie. Goliath, like just this huge dude, David. If anybody has ever played Mike Tyson's Punch Out, the little the little guy that's you faces Mike Tyson. He's like this big. This is like a David and Goliath on Nintendo. The, the Goliath of doubt is out to defeat you. In every formula, in every math equation, David doesn't win. Not at all. Not at all. And if we keep relying on stuff that this world says that we're to lean on and not God, the math formulas for you succeeding aren't good either. We have to know where we're supposed to put our trust. The Israelites doubted their ability physically. Man, we can't beat this guy. He's huge. He's literally three of us. Literally. We can't beat this guy. Because they doubted, they became prisoners, and they weren't even in jail. They couldn't move. They might as well have been locked up. They couldn't move. Does that sound familiar? This doubt thing causing you to be, feel like you're in prison? I'm going to doubt my ability. I don't know, Matt, Matt asked if we can do spray paint or art, but I'm, I'm just, I doubt my ability. I doubt my ability. 
I can't possibly play good enough to play in the band. I play in this band. Get up here and play. Doubt will grip you and it will hold you and make you feel prisoner. What do you doubt? What do you doubt? Yourself? Your friends? Your family? Your relationship? The future? What do you doubt? You see, the God that I serve is this. The God that I serve is not confusing. He wants very plainly for me to know his ways. Very plainly. But the prince of this world, which is Satan, loves to have us in doubt. See, he wants you to question everything. Are you sure you ended that conversation with her right? Are you sure you should have said that? When you went to somebody in love? Are you sure that you're adequate to do this? Are you good enough? Are you capable? Can you seriously do this? These questions can be a sickness. Doubt is a sickness. If you have your worship hand out, we're going to go to the second one real fast. It says, the, the Goliath of despair wants you to give up. If you have had doubt about a situation in your life and you have believed that lie long enough, your doubt turns into despair. Despair is a byproduct of doubt. Oh, I can't do it. Holy cow. I can't do it. All of a sudden, you become trapped and entangled with doubt, and then despair comes. Despair means this in the, in the, in the dictionaries. It means this. The complete, listen to this. This is what despair is. The complete absence or loss of hope. Absence or loss of hope. That's it. You're not getting out. Some of you are shaking your head. You understand where you, you've been. You understand this is real. Listen, God wants us. God wants us to be a church and do this. Every single person that walks through here has stuff, including all of us. But whenever they walk through, our job at Connection is to connect with God first and then connect with them. And we walk along somebody, alongside someone that maybe have been through some of the stuff that we have. But some of you know what it's like to doubt. Others of us know what it's like to have complete and utter despair. There is no chance of you getting out of this on your own. You've tried. Some of, some of us have. We've tried everything that we can possibly do to get out of that thing, and we can't do it. See, it's not until we rely on who we're supposed to rely on that we get the victory from this. Have you been there to feel the despair? It's a feeling of hopelessness, of helplessness, of alone by yourself. When we doubt a situation that leads to despair, and we are desperate, and we feel that there's no one to turn to, it goes to the third blank on your worship handout. Fear. Some of us are so scared we don't want to get out of bed. Well, that issue is just waiting on me. It's just waiting on me. Some of us are so scared to walk out of the house. You're so scared to walk into your job. I can't be a Christian today, God. It's just one of those days. I can't act like I'm supposed to, God. It's just one of those days. Fear wants to paralyze you. Now, we've already talked about being in prison, standing in this line, paralyzed. You think the, you think the Israelite army was paralyzed? Yeah, for 40 days. Can you imagine at night when they would go, when they would lay down or take shifts to sleep? And they would wake up. Now watch this. They woke up to know that they weren't going to cross this line. Well, well, get back in line. They were paralyzed. Often with our issues, with the stuff in our life, with the things, the relationships in our life, we think, man, we can only go here. We're not going to get over of it. What are you scared of? Heights? Somebody said amen. 
snakes, spiders, death, relationships, trusting someone. Maybe your trust has been shattered. You're scared to death. And you know what I mean. You completely understand what I mean about being paralyzed. You might, and David comes up for the first time. And he's in the back, and all these guys are lined up. And he's like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? He's short. He's young. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? And all of a sudden, across the valley, he hears this guy come out and start talking trash. Now, watch. The situations in David's life led him to be able to do that. Because if you listen to the video, and if you back up in Scripture enough, he tells the people, he goes, oh, no. He goes, God delivered me from a lion. We're good. <laughs> you imagine David's thought process? I've killed a lion. I can kill that dude. I've killed a lion. <laughs> Some, my mother-in-law thinks that I'm a little bit gone right here because I've killed two black bears. Went to Canada. Nearest hospital is about three hours, so don't get hurt. And she asked me, I'll never forget this, in 2007 I went on my first bear trip and she asked me this. I said, how you doing, Sarah? She goes, hey, about this bear hunting trip, um, what kind of gun are you taking? <laughs> Mary was standing right next to me. I said, I'm going to go bow hunting. And she doesn't pay any more attention to me. She just looks at my wife and goes, does he have good life insurance policy? <laughs> now watch. Does someone unfamiliar with how to operate that instrument of hunting the bow. My mother-in-law doesn't bow hunt. She, ha- she doesn't have an idea. She doesn't know how effective it is. By the way, an arrow went right through a 450-pound black bear, and it was dead in three seconds. And we're not getting on this thing about hunting, but I'm, I'm saying that my understanding of my weapon was different than hers. David's understanding of the weapon that he was going to use was on a different level than these guys. Oh, these guys were stronger. These guys could wield the sword better. David goes out without a sword. Why? He's comfortable with the slingshot. But did he really kill Goliath with a slingshot? I don't think so. Oh, sure, he knocked him down, and then he he pulled out a sword, and he cut off his head in verse 51. Sure. He says, no, 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 no. I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it because this guy's trash-talking the God that I believe in, and he's going to take care of this guy right now. you imagine just the boldness of this guy? The fear had set in. It had paralyzed these guys. I wonder if we could go back and ask them before David came up, give me one word to describe yourself as you stood here for 40 days and let a guy talk trash about your God. Tell me how, what you feel. I bet you would have heard this. I feel like such a coward. I can't do it. I can't go. I can't get myself to go. Can you imagine David's question? He comes up and goes, how long has this guy been here? This guy needs to go. Can you imagine him reassuring his brothers? We're God's people. This is God's army. The Philistines aren't God's chosen people. We are. And this 14-year-old young man just marches right through him. I can imagine as he walks through, he goes, you guys ready to hunt like me? Are you ready to stand up? Are you ready to fight? Are you tired of hiding? Oh, Matt, that issue in my life, this fear that I have for this, it just paralyzes me and I can't get over it. I can't get over it. I'm never going to have that relationship again with this person. Not going to happen. I've tried everything. It goes on in verse 46. So David goes on to the field of battle. In verse 46 he says this. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Now, whoa, time out. Er, Back up. (laughs) David has no doubt. Watch this. He has no doubt. 
the Goliath of doubt. He doesn't have it. David has no despair in his voice. You think he walked out, he goes, um, this day the Lord is going to deliver you into my hands. No. I think he walked out there and goes, hi, I'm David. And today you're going to die because my God's bigger than you are. I think that he walked out there with as much confidence of anything he had ever said before in his life because he knew this was a person. But if he knew he's walking into this issue, we need to walk into this knowing that God can handle this. There was no doubt in his mind. There was no despair. And I don't think there was an ounce of fear. Oh, I think he was a little bit worried. Oh, uh, this guy's really big. But I don't think he was scared. I don't think he had the fear. Because he says this. After he says, this, is, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, he says this. Hi, I'm David. Today, God is going to give you to me. And then he goes on. And I'll strike you down and I'm going to cut off your head. This very day I will give you, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Now, David does not say anywhere in there. He says, I'm going to strike you down. But where, watch where he gives credit. He said, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. David wasn't fighting for himself. He was fighting for God. In this story, we like to say, well, David did this, and David did this. Everything in this story points toward God giving strength to David. God is bigger. If you watch VeggieTales, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Is that right? He's bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. He is. God's bigger than Goliath. I wonder... When's the last time we asked God to help us like David did? When's the last time that we got in our truck loaded up with our camouflage to fight our spiritual battles, whatever weapon we're going to choose, that we asked God with that kind of confidence? I wonder what our house would be like if we said, God, today I want to live this for you. I'm, not going, to, I'm going to try not to get angry. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you first. I'm, going to, I'm not going to fight. I think that our world would be different. Not only our house, but our job would be different. Our church would be even more different. We're already different. We would be even more different. When those giants and beasts of this life get to us, do we ask God? Or do we go to our closet, strap up our old boots, grab whatever's comfortable, and try to go fight it again? But I can tell you that if you grab your old stuff and fight again, you're going to get the same result. See, it's the God. It's not David. It's God. David chose to face the giant in his life with faith. He knew that God would protect him. If you look on your worship handout, it says this, the victory of faith overcomes the world. When we struggle with doubt, faith overcomes it. So you have three negatives on your worship handout. The bottom three are all positive. So when you're, when you're looking at your worship handout this week, and you're looking at this, you're like, man, you know, this doubt, despair, and fear, I want you to do this. Just fold it. Only look at the bottom three. Because that's what God wants us to say. That's what he wants us to see. That's what he wants us to feel. God is not in the business of being timid. He's not. God says, I give you the power. I give it to you. Just like in David. The victory of faith will overcome the world. What's your faith in? You can read right here and up there and over here what David's faith was in. It wasn't in his mom and dad. It wasn't in his friends. It wasn't in his brothers. It wasn't in the relationship. It wasn't in the armor that the king tried to give him. It wasn't even in his slingshot. He said, God, did you hear him on the video? We don't know exactly what he said, but that would have been a pretty good guess. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. My paraphrase, when I go through something that's really hard, 
I've got to chill out because I, I know that you're with me. You can handle this, God. You do it. Get your hands off the wheel. Take it off. When the world says you're just always doing, you're just always going to, this is what the world says. They'd come to me and and the world would see one of my issues. Matt, you're just always going to be that way. Sorry. Your parents were like that. You're going to be like that. I'm sorry. You're always going to spend money like that. You're always going to have an anger problem like that. You're always going to think negatively about yourself. You're always going to be scared of this type of situation. You're always going to be scared of conflict. You're going to be codependent your whole life. That's what the world says. The world has said that to me for 34 years. But God says a different story. He goes, this whole despair and doubt and fear that this world says, he said, you can have faith in me because I'm not of this world. He says this. He said, you have faith in me. I'll overcome the world. I've already done it once. I can beat your issues. No problem. God says, let me renew you by changing the way that you think. Don't think like this world. He goes on in verse 47. says this. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. He just cuts to the chase here. He goes, seriously, dude, you're going to die. Okay? And then he probably goes, and you, and you, and you, all the way to you, you're all going to die confidence. Okay, he says, he said, because this is not this. It's not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. David proclaims that the battle is already won. Do you know that if you struggle with fear or pride or ego or codependency or lack of self-worth or low self-esteem, that the battle for that has already been won? You have to put your trust where it needs to go. You let God comfort you and that fear goes away. You let God hold you and that despair goes away. That doubt goes away. Oh, sure, they like to come up. Sure. But the battle is the Lord's. David's putting God first. It's not about being cocky or arrogant. It's about putting your trust in God. To hunt like David, you have to have faith. To conquer your doubt, you must also have this. The next thing line in your worship handout says this the victory of hope overcomes despair see despair is the lack of all things that have anything to do with hope it's hopelessness but the victory of hope overcomes despair because this if you shut out all the lights in this room and we blacked out completely everything in here we made it completely black and if i turned on my flashlight the dark cannot overcome my light in matthew 5 It talks about a church being a city on a hill, a light. Darkness will never overcome light. Light wins. Light wins. God wins. The victory of hope overcomes despair. You become frantic, but hope overcomes it. David knew of hope when he walked onto the battlefield. Can you imagine grabbing, hey, dude, seriously, really, Because, here's the deal, the Israelite army could only pick one person to fight Goliath. And if they lost, the whole army had to surrender. Can you you imagine what these guys are thinking? Holy cow, all of our eggs are in the basket of this 14-year-old dude. This 14-year-old kid? If he dies, they're probably making plans. When he dies, I will go that way, you go this way, and we'll meet so-and-so. They've already making escape plans. How do we know that happens? Well, when David beats Goliath, the Philistine army ran. Okay? They were scared too. They just got caught. If you know the rest of the story. But some of us have sat here in church for weeks and we listened to words of encouragement. Oh yeah, there's hope. Oh, there's hope. Oh, there's hope. God wants to help you. God wants to come into your life. God wants to have someone walk beside you. But we just say, uh, just just too scared. God desires to fight for you. 
When's the last time somebody told you that? God desires to fight for you. The battle is not yours. The battle is God's. Knock, knock. Who's there? The battle's already won. 2,000 years ago, he crushed it all. When he raised his son from the dead, it was all gone. All gone. Goes to 48, the next passage. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Excuse me, pardon me, got to get to this giant. He's running at me. Can you imagine that? He's going through guys that are my size. Excuse me, get out of the way. I have a giant to kill. And all these guys are probably just going, holy cow, we're, gonna, we're all going to die. When you know for whom you fight, you are not afraid. So David didn't strut out. <laughs> David ran at him. He didn't have armor on because armor would slow him down, so he ran at the giant. He ran at him. When's the last time that you had the guts to say, okay, God, I'm going to face this? I'm going to face this. I'm tired of getting angry with my wife. I'm tired of getting angry with my kids. God, I want to face that. I want you to help me. I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to have doubt anymore. Verse 49 says, Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. Goliath didn't have a chance. Because when David ran at him, it was hard to go in. He hit him in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Like when I went hunting, I knew my equipment. David had killed a lion with a slingshot. <laughs> I have no desire to shoot a lion. But if I did, slingshot, not number one choice. Mm -mm. Big gun. <laughs> Big gun. Big shell. Huge shell. <laughs> But he knew his equipment. He knew it. He knew, he knew exactly. Anybody in here grow up have a BB gun at home? Yeah. Red Rider? Christmas? Anyone? I didn't have a Red Rider. I had a Daisy. Same thing. I probably, and I'm not joking. I'm not. It became a staple item for my mom to pick up. I need bread. I need milk. And on the, on the very bottom of my handwriting, Matthew needs BBs. <laughs> every time she went to the store, every time she went to the store, BBs. I need, BB, I need more BBs. Uh, I need more BBs. There was no bird that was safe at my house. Now, I didn't shoot the woodpeckers and the, the friendly ones, but blackbirds that like to mess on the cars, my mom's like, go ahead. <laughs> but when I was about 12, some of you are going to really get this. When I was about 12, you could put a nine-inch pie plate anywhere in here, and I'd put, I'd put 95 out of 100 in it. I was so you not because I was awesome. I had shot it and shot it and shot it and shot it and shot it, and I was comfortable with it. I was very comfortable with it. So when that pesky animal would come in and a raccoon would mess with my dog, man, David knew his equipment. But this story's not about a slingshot. Because better than his equipment, he knew God. And he knew God way more intimately than a slingshot. Do you know exactly where to turn to get help? Are we familiar with our equipment? Because this right here, this is the answer. You want help with an issue in life? It's right here. This is, your, this is your equipment. I don't care what version you read. This is your equipment. David fought doubt with faith. David fought despair with hope. And David fought fear with love. If you turn on your worship handout, the victory of love overcomes fear. Watch this. David's love of God is what allowed him to have the confidence that God would take care of him. Do we have a relationship that is so good with God that we know Him like that. Those issues in our life, do we know and trust God so much that we run at them? Or do we stall out? 
David ran. And in verse 50, we see the spoils. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. In verse 51, David walks over to Goliath. Remember, he told him, he goes, I'm going to knock you down, then I'm going to cut off your head. He told him that. Pretty prophetic guy. I'm going to knock you down. In verse 51, you can read on later. He walks over to Goliath, he pulls out his sword, and he cuts off his head. David allowed God to fight his giant. I'm very sure that there was doubt, despair, and fear in his mind. And in the minds of the Israelite army. But what was also bigger in David's mind, in David's mind, was the victory that God gives faith, hope, and love. He understood that. He knew, he knew which card to play. He knew what he was familiar with. He had studied the word. Some of you are like, wow, man, that's a good story. <laughs> but that was David. You know, King David. That's him. It wasn't me who lives in a town of 15,000, and I, I live in a, a medium class, a lower class house, and I, I'm, not, I'm not King David. I'm not the dad of Solomon. Going through your head right now, God doesn't use people like me. I want to tell you right now that at Connection, you will never hear that. God uses everyday, ordinary people at Connection every day. If you're a reader and you want to find out about using ordinary men, I highly suggest reading a book about the disciples called 12 Ordinary Men. You want to talk about ordinary and plain, go ahead, check out the disciples. They were fishermen. They were low class. Man, what'd they do? I don't know. Twelve of them with Jesus changed the world. <laughs> when we think of David, we think of this. We think of David as the shepherd. David as the poet in Psalms. The giant killer. King David. An ancestor to Jesus. Big time. This guy, his, his resume is awesome. Oh, you killed a lion with a slingshot. You killed a nine-foot-six dude with a slingshot. That's pretty good. You're the king. You're the man. Here's a list of stuff that you may not know about David if you have question concerning yourself, and I'm not that good enough. The list of attributes that David probably wouldn't want you to know that is recorded in the Bible is this. He was also a betrayer. He was also a liar. He was also an adulterer. And he was also a murderer. But God can't use me. Really. (laughs) David wasn't perfect, and neither are we. David made mistakes just like we do. The difference is David knew where to turn, and my question to you is, do you? See, we we have these times to meet for connect group. And some of us say, oh, we have other things going on. We have opportunities to serve by, man, I I gave you an opportunity this morning. If you can spray paint and do that cool stuff, if you can draw, come on. If you can play, come on. We have opportunities to serve. We have opportunities to clean. We have opportunities to pop popcorn. Now, involves in first impressions. Now, some of you are like, what does this have to do with anything? By doing some of these things, by locking myself into a connect group, let me tell you something. By locking myself into a connect group, I'm with a very, very tight-knit group of people that love to have visitors. But we have become a family. And through that connect group, I have learned more about this. And when I learn more about this, and that stuff comes up in my life, I know where to turn. Man, there wasn't people running the vacuum up here this morning because they, they necessarily got up this morning and said, Ooh, I can't wait. They didn't do it for them. They did it for God. And when you do that stuff, he moves in you. This is where we learn how to trust like David. God. Hmm. I'm thankful for this carpet. Because I know the people that I love very much are going to stand on it. And when I go through the aisles, I'm on a cleaning team. 
Once a month. When I go through the aisles, I'm like, that person dropped popcorn, I get it. I don't say that to say, oh, look what he does. I'm saying this. I want it to be an environment where you can connect with God too. A connection we seek to connect with God, we seek to connect with people. Get involved. David had been involved. That's how he knew. That's how he knew that God would protect him. That's how he knew how to face his giant. For some of us, these opportunities to serve have become, become the way that we learned how to fight like David. My connect group become a way that I learned how to fight like David. I know how to arm myself. I know this weapon better. Our issues are getting less intensive for some of us. Some of us that are plugged in, our issues in life, we're learning how to trust. We're learning how to run at that thing. We know where to turn and when. I'll ask you one question and then we're going to close in prayer. Some of us have taken that journey or on that journey and we're learning how to fight. Man, that despair and fear, that's something that we only mess with a couple times a week, a couple times a month. Used to come up every hour. We're finding victory because we're trusting God. Where are you? Where are you at? And this week, I want you to just remember the story. It's not about a kid hitting a giant in the head with a slingshot. God's already beaten it. <laughs> He's already beat that thing in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, God, that we can learn from a young boy how to attack things and issues in our life. I pray, God, that we understand how to wield the word. God, that we, we understand how to seek you with our stuff. Overcome our stuff because it's all about you. God, we love you this morning. Thank you so much for your word. In your name we pray. Amen.